Hello and welcome to episode 8 of German Street Theatre's Prompt Corner. Um, today we're talking about set design um, and we've got some wonderful guests. We have Louis Whitemore who is associate designer at German Street Theatre. We have Neil Irish who designed the set for The Tempest which started running at German Street Theatre before we closed down and Ceci Calf who designed the set at German Street Theatre for One Million Tiny Plays About Britain. It's a lovely chat so do enjoy. Shall we start with Louis? Do, would you like to start? Uh, sure. Uh, my name's Louis Whitemore. I'm a freelance set and costume designer. I started out backstage doing technical things, sort of stage management, company management, production management, and slightly stumbled into design, ended up going to the amazing Motley Theatre Design course, and have been working as a freelance set and costume designer for dance, theatre and opera for the last 15 years. I'm also the associate designer to German Street Theatre, um, which means I help them out with some of the things which you are currently seeing online at the moment. Awesome, very good. And you, Ceci? Um, hello, I'm Ceci Calf and I'm a freelance set and costume designer as well. Um, I graduated from Royal Welsh uh, almost three years ago now, so I guess I'm a recent graduate. Um, uh, yeah, I've been, uh, since graduating, I've been working as a designer and assisting designers as well. Um, yeah, that's, that's me. And you, Neil? Hi, um, I'm Neil Irish. I've been designing for about 20 years, I think now. Set costume props, so the full production design, not just specifically set design. Um, so I trained, I did fine art, and then I changed to stage design at Birmingham. So I did a degree at Birmingham back in the day. Um, I did some work experience while I was at college. I did some work experience at the BBC. And bizarrely from that, they offered me a job when I graduated on the proviso I improved my drafting and technical drawing skills. Um, so I, I worked. So I worked in the set department for about two years as an assistant designer, sort of lowest of the low, um, and didn't really progress with my technical drawing. So moved to costume design, uh, into BBC costume design. Uh, went off television, came out, did a bit of theatre work in the Midlands, um, and then decided to try and get down to London. And I did a postgraduate at the Slade at UCL. So I did that for two years and that opened a few doors, uh, you know, into the sort of southeast theatre scene. Um, and with things like the Limbury, that opened some other doors, uh, you know, and that's how I started really doing set costume props. Never went back to TV. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I quite like it now. I mean, you know, I'm, you know, I'm quite a good draftsman, and so I've still got the same fears with cat now that I had with drafting back in the day. So, <laughs> so I thought, well, if we focus our chat about set design today, although all of you are very that multifaceted sort of design, um, but I thought I might start by asking quite a broad question that would be, how would you characterise your mission or your task when you start to set design a play? Um, I would say that I, my job as a designer is to tell the story that is in the text. 
So if I am dealing with a play, I should be trying to find the best way to tell the pos that particular story. If I'm doing something that doesn't connect to that story, then I'm not doing my job right. Yeah. I think our job is to, to tell the, the story as clearly as possible, you know, in, but in different and, you know, unusual, different ways. But I think once our job starts to detract from that, then, you know, we're not doing our job and we're perhaps being a bit indulgent or whatever. But I think it's just the clarity of storytelling. That's why we're there. And whatever we do should enhance that. And even, you know, yeah, enhance the characters and storytelling. Mm, yeah, definitely. You know, with this interesting aesthetics. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And and sort of and creating the atmosphere as well and um sort of focusing down the audience's vision and, and um And so and so that idea of a story, that idea of like an atmosphere, something that, that seems quite materially intangible. Where do you begin with in your processes? By how, how do you pin that down? Basically, is it is it by starting looking at a script? Is it by starting looking at kind of the emotions that you see at play within like a team out of people mm. that are working towards like a production? Or I think for me, it's um, it's the overall. You know, it's not just the, the the actual script. Although obviously that's the you know that's the first point, but it's also the brief for the project. You know, what is the project about? Is it just one venue? Is it a tour? You know, I think all those things inform the final design. But obviously the main thing is the, the, the script and mm. the venue. Um, and the, the script, then research into the script, and then obviously discussions with the director. That's the sort mm -hmm. of start point. And every, every production is different as well. I think it completely depends on um, uh, who you're working with as well and, and I like to sort of um, create a relationship with the director and um, start a conversation and I think sometimes um, your process changes with whoever it is that you're working with um, and I think yeah that relationship is really important to uh, and for you, for you to both have the same sort of language so that you're both achieving the same overall vision and, and style and everything. Exactly because I think it's what whichever director you're working with because I mean, some projects you go to the first meeting and the director might, you know, come with a load of books and visuals and sometimes your heart sinks because you think actually we haven't had that initial discussion yet. Or sometimes the director might come with a, you know, set design <laughs> from his notebook, her notebook and your heart sort of sinks then as well. But then on the other hand, at the other extreme to that is a director that has got absolutely no visual um understanding or you know who just lets you you know that kind of mentality that you're the designer so you, i'll trust you just get on with it so i think the, the sort of person i like is the one that's in the middle of you know halfway mm. between the, where you've got some leeway and you know that so i think that's that's the starting point but i also think the venues as well i mean i think it's getting you you know getting to know which venue you're in just technically but you know the boring things I was just going to say that that, re that relationship that Neil and Ceci are talking about is, is one of the bits I really love about the job and the variant between the jobs because every relationship is different with every director or choreographer. And I love, I love, same as Neil, I sort of hate turning up for a meeting and they've already got a set design. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, but, 
Lord, if you've got no idea, you know, if you've got yeah, exactly, you can play, you can play both sides. But um, part of the joy is the, the challenge of negation, negotiating that collaboration with the other person. You're never working in total isolation. Yeah. Um, I really like that bit of the job. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it's a team sport. Yeah, and and you know, and I'm not just the director, but I think obviously the initial meetings are with the director, but then further, you know, as soon as possible, you should be, you know, talking to the lighting designer. If there's projection, possibly, if we decide, you know, all those people need to come in as early as possible, yeah. really. Mm. You know, if that happens, you know, really late down the track, I think that's when a lot of you know things go mm. wrong. Mm. Um, and I think as a designer as well, you spend so much time. Well, I do anyway, but uh, by yourself as well in your studio and really in your mind and and trying to get things out and and it, um, exactly bringing um, having those conversations and and talking to as many people as possible really opens up your um, create creativity, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's getting less because at the moment everybody. I mean, before you know, speaking about you know before this crisis, but everybody was so busy it was hard to have you know to get everybody i don't know whether you two found that but to get everybody involved in the same mm. room almost impossible. i mean i've done projects where i've only met the lighting designer on the three you know the first day of rehearsals and that happens a lot now um i would agree with with neil but i think it's because maybe a controversial statement we don't get paid enough and so you're never able to do one job at any one time. And everybody is doing that. Lighting designers, sound designers, projectionists, ev everybody's having to double up. Yeah. So everybody's having to negotiate diaries in order to make ends meet. And therefore you find that you're not able to have those early key stage meetings. Now, the weird thing is that if you did have those early meetings, you wouldn't have the mistakes that happen later. <laughs> Which means you'd save money, yeah. but yeah. nobody seems to be connecting those dots. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that also, sorry, that does include directors as well. Yeah, yeah, it involves everybody, yeah. the whole I sector. Mean, sometimes you can get a meeting with the director, but they've got you know, because I mean they're terribly, you know, they're busy like, but you know, you might get an hour, and you just think actually, if we could have had the whole afternoon and thrash this out. Hmm. In that does sometimes but a lot of the time it's just you know i've got an hour between this and that and, and you know or an hour for lunch when they're rehearsing i mean that happens a lot now um and you just feel sometimes it would be nice to especially if you've got to move on you know and take the take the process further you might need more time than that uh, moan 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 <laughs> Well, I imagine they have the same frustration because I imagine yeah. they would love to get their head into one project and really do it yeah. and then not be dashing in and out of rehearsals. But um, yeah, it, it, fundamentally, those conversations, as everybody's mm. saying, the and it is the best feeling when those conversations just go on and on and on. And you just have more and more ideas going back and forth. And yeah, it's a it's a luxury to have that time. Yeah. Yeah. So Neil, you mentioned that you went back to do that postgraduate at, at the Slade. And Ceci, you did a did you do a foundation year yeah. at the Royal Drawing School? Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah. So I'd be interested, like what where does so talking about kind of process, where that comes into it, where does kind of when you've got this relationship with the other people in the room, where does 
that moment come where you go, okay, right, I need to go and do my own thing. I need to work on my sketching. And like, and how much does, I'd be interested to hear from all of you, how much does that like practical art um, feed into like your design as a whole? Because I mean, there are so many aspects to it, right? All, all the way through to building at the end and, you know, the painting that comes with that and, and, and all of that collaboration with the other designers on the project. Well, I think the, the are you talking like about that, about the sort of 2D work? Mm -hmm. I think that happens, you know, you can either go to the first sort of few meetings with a few rough sketches and then, um, I mean, personally, I try and get into 3D as soon as possible. Um, you know, so, I mean, you can offer up some ideas in, in two-dimensional form, which is what I do, and then try and get into... 3D and you know get into space as soon as possible really I don't know how the other two um I'm the same as Neil primarily because I I work much quicker 3D than I do sketching um I, I didn't do art at school I didn't do art at secondary school at all and then I I never carried it on so I've always been much quicker ripping up bits of card and chucking it in a model also I know my brain just works better in 3D I can see a space much quicker than if I was yeah. sketching it on 2D, but I think every designer has their own version. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> I kind of start with, um, um, I read, I obviously read the text as much as possible. And, and I think the first couple of times I read it, I don't do any sketching or any, I mean, I might make a few notes, but um, it's only really um, until I've met with the director and then read it a few more times again. And then I start sketching and, um, but uh, yeah, I think having, um, uh, so I really, I enjoy sketching along with the director talking as well, like during our meetings. I think that's a, that's actually quite a recent thing that I've started doing for some reason. I think, um, um, I think at university I was taught a certain process um, and I've only recently started sort of um, uh, adding in my own style here and there, which is really liberating and great. Um, and uh, and it's the same with the model box. So I'd I'd like to get the model box, the the theatre box itself built as soon as possible, and then and then bring that along to any meetings and 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 work on the on the you know in the box with with the director is really helpful just to help them visualise the space because I find it hard to explain um, my designs and and the director finds it hard to sort of visualise the designs. So I think it's it's good to have a three D thing there. Yeah. And also, I think in the process, this is a bit boring, but, you know, if it's a venue that you don't know, then almost before you do anything, really, you should, you know, go visit the venue. Um, and you tend to do that and you travel up and, you know, sort of like the assistant production manager might show you around for half an hour. But then I think you need to, you know, you need to walk the stage. You need to sit out in the auditorium you know, look at the sight line. I mean, that's the big thing, the sight lines, um, you know, go up into the circle. You've just got to kind of feel the space, especially if it's somewhere that you you don't, you know, you've never worked at before. So mm. I think that's sort of boring, but vital, mm. really. Mm, and think, definitely. And, and I'd be interested to know, so Louis, you say you came from that sort of behind the scenes background, starting with like the backstage stuff, starting with that sort of stage management kind of side of it how do you think that's changed your process um throughout the years what what's that done to it 
and certainly initially when I was starting out, it, it was invaluable because I knew how to make stuff. I knew how to make props and paint scenes, do scenic finishes and, and all of that. Um, because starting out, you are invariably sort of working on fringe shows and, and you're having to do a lot of this stuff yourself or help out another member of staff, like a production manager. Um, so that was really, really good. I think latterly, because the industry has changed, um, I think a lot of producers wanted to know that a design is going to work. So turning up with a, a wonderful drawing, although that is a beautiful thing, it doesn't wash anymore. They, they sort of need to know that you have thought about the technical, technical side of it. And to some extent, I haven't had to learn quite so much of that. You learn stuff all the time because the technology is changing all the time, but that's been really good. It has also sometimes been a bad thing because I will sometimes discount an idea I've had because I know it's technically challenging mm. and might cost a bit of money, et cetera, et cetera. And I know that sometimes I have to sort of work against that in my own head. So there's a lot of conversations <laughs> going on there. <laughs> Is that a balance that, that you guys have to yeah. strike as well, that balance between um, the creativity and the technical thing? Presumably well, I mean, I'm, I'm quite good at painting and, um, you know, prop making, but actual kind of engineering and the bigger thing, you know, you kind of, I mean, I kind of rely on a, a, de a good sort of production. I mean, not you rely on, but, you know, you, hopefully you've got a good production manager uh, that will be all over that. Um, but obviously, you, you you know you've got responsibility for it as well. Um, so you know, if I'm told something it's not possible, I you know I kind of have to believe it really, or or look in you know look into it further. But um, I think it's quite good not to be too technical because, like you, Louis was saying, you know, then you can then broad you know you haven't got any kind of restraints whether they're self-imposed or not, um, and then you know. The people, the technical people, and the builders. Obviously, someone has to end up building it. You kind of rely on them for the engineering um, and coming to the process and make it work. I mean, as long as your, your ideas aren't too ludicrous. I mean, you know, you don't sort of <laughs> and safe. So, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I um, in my in the design process, I sort of um, you almost have to get to a point where you've over designed it and gone too far and then you have to and then it's almost too much and then you realize um you know you just take that back take that back take that back, yeah. take that back and almost go back to the beginning and, and then and then you realize what the essence is of that design yeah. um and what it is that you you sh you should take from that and what you should disregard um but also i i actually just before lockdown the last show that i did um was the first time that i hired a builder a set builder <laughs> so um so yeah i've been uh, building all my own sets which is uh, pretty challenging so i've been uh, and that and that's hard as well because you i did find myself designing sets that i knew i could build um which was really hard but i mean i've yeah i definitely learned so much from that um but it does feel great to to employ someone yeah. to uh to do that in a natural workshop and not in my kitchen with my dad yeah. i still <laughs> thrill when i'm able to design something knowing that i don't have to paint it mm, yeah. I'm like, oh, someone is gonna make this look so good because yes. i don't have to 
meant it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your, point, uh, your point's good about the sort of self-editing. That's good. Yeah. You know, or sometimes, and and sometimes it's imposed because you know it goes off to be costed and it's way over budget. So you have to do that. But sometimes it's good just to do that aesthetically to sort of edit yourself and and just say is that peripheral? Is that too much? Yeah. I mean, so so to do too much but um if it's not required then it's good to have that ability to yeah, edit definitely. out mm -hmm. and i'd be interested to know where you all got your um your your references from basically so 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 do, we're obviously in a period now where it's kind of difficult to go and see theater but um is that normally a site for you guys to all like bounce off creative ideas is that somewhere where you you gain a lot of inspiration from or is it mainly from books or is it mainly from other literature or, or do you find yourself actually very focused in on the task when you're when you when you're involved in a, in a theatrical process i'm fascinated by designers that as a first port of call google other designs of a show <laughs> I, my, my brain cannot handle that at all i need to never see any version of this show ever 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 and even until the show is on i can't look i just can't do it but yeah i they just they do and that's what they do and that's fine um i obviously can't do it at the minute i always 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 go to a library because you can go to a library and just go to the sculpture section not know what you're looking for, flick through something, and I've never not found something that has led to the design if I don't have an idea in my head already. If you use solely the internet, you have to have some sort of search term to start the process. So you're already restricting yourself. So obviously I research stuff that is specific on online. Once I know like a particular period of costume or something like a particular chair that's in a script, you know, that might lead me down a way. But I always try and keep it quite vague and go to a library. Um, we should all support our local libraries. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. I'm always, what's that library? Is it the, the London Library? London Library and Westminster Reference Library. That's, off the one, that's the one I like. The yeah. staff Brilliant. Yeah, that's that's fantastic, that library. That's where I always go. Yeah, it's because you can just go to the art section, the photography section, sculpture section, costume section, whatever, and yeah. just flick through books and you always find something that, and you don't even know necessarily when you see the image, what it relates to. Then you go home, it's in your head, and you're looking at the model box, and then you go, ah, oh, why don't we try this? And then that leads you down the path. Um, so I think it's essential to, to be broad with your... And if, there's, if there's a reference to a period or a building or, you know, go and visit these places of the period and, you know, you're so right not just to sit on the net, you know, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I, once, I once made the mistake of... Um, I can't remember what, what it was that I was doing, but I, I remember I, uh, I watched a film that was about that time and I and I got some costume references or something from it and then another designer said to me uh, no that that's completely <laughs> wrong that's that um that the, you know the, the the film designer had got it completely wrong so I'd you know I'd copied <laughs> that and it was awful it was so bad um but yeah no I agree with Lou I, I do um I go with I yeah I look at sculpture and I look at architecture as well I really enjoy looking at um the a figure in space as well i think um seeing a big 
like mass of something that fills a space is quite interesting and um yeah i always start off with a big um sort of one image that's that's this big grand um motif or something and then and then uh, um and then yeah break it down and but also exactly. it's like B and A, which is great for you know costume or just mm. going, you know the, the plaster rooms and yeah, just to get a sense of scale, you know all that. It's all there. I mean in London and on all our cities, there's inspiration mm. everywhere. Without mm. going. definitely, and and as you say, they're all they're in all our cities. It's not just to London. There are so many amazing museums around the country, and also yeah. if you're doing doing a modern a modern play and it's set in some you know like a council estate or in the city or something just go and sit with a cup of coffee in the area you'll get all the costume research you ever need mm -hmm. yeah. yeah get your camera yeah you got to get yeah i read a really good article recently about um note taking and it was like like quite literature focused so it was about an academic who was kind of his his note taking sort of processes and systems um to kind of in order that he might write his academic books in the future sort of thing do you guys have any particular talking about this sort of research that in some ways might be um you know production specific or it might be more broad is there a is there a particular way that you find yourself organizing visual um and written references um or like what's i mean we, we, we were speaking briefly before and um, we started the podcast about where we were about our little spaces um in some of your cases little sheds and um what, you know what are your what is the way that you is that important to you the space that, that you work in and that you design in yeah in my, in my damp shed i've got quite a lot of um sketch i mean i, I usually get a sketchbook for each project or a, you know they're not so exotic as they were <laughs> but notes in the back and, and references you know visuals in the front um <laughs> you know that's how i do it i just do it I don't do it, you know, I don't do it on the computer or anything. It's just glue and scissors and, and notes, really. So if I go to a library to, and also I'll go to a library not just for visuals, but to research, you know, research the playwright, you know, if it's Shakespeare, read up about that. And again, in the, in the London libraries, that's, there's, you know, there's, and it's certainly Birmingham, where I go back to a lot, there's the Shakespeare library there. Um, and then, so it's basically just low tech note taking and a sort of montage of, of visuals. Mm. To show. I often, um, it, uh, I, do, I do the same, it's a sketchbook for every show. I have a particular sketchbook I like to use, but it's not the end of the world. I, for some reason, I can't use pure white paper, it has to be off white. <laughs> Apparently, I'm told it's something to do with, I was dyslexic as a kid, and it's to do with how you're, light your eyes take light um if i see a couple of one or two images like sissy was saying about having one image that feels like it's a motif i'll print it and i'll put it up on the wall so that it's sort of always there and one hopes by osmosis so it will turn itself into a good enough set design so i think that's i think that's probably so the only thing that i do that's different to off it's just really off white oh, but um, no no just off white. It's really. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Weird. I. I I'm quite funny about my my writing notebooks. It has to be um, dotted um, rather than plain. 
but um, I don't know, there's something about having that structure. Is mine, quite is nice. there, mine is um, squared, and uh, ah. I could do an entire podcast on what creatives use as notepads. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all have to be a different colour as well. So at the moment, I'm, I'm yes. on orange, which is... Um, bright and jolly um but yeah <laughs> but yeah I'm I'm it's mainly for me it's um a lot of writing I really um even though I did not foundation and um um you know I love sculpture and things I I I write a lot I just always take notes take notes take notes and then do a little sketch in the corner or something but um and then obviously when when the design progresses then I start drawing and um uh collaging I yeah. really enjoy collaging yeah. And also, um, you know, further down the track, you might start, you know, storyboarding, rough storyboarding. I tend mm. to do that in the book. Um, you know, so it's there's quite a lot of things going on that are relevant to the production in mm. the book. I think the um, collaging is a really good point because it's, I was told by a teacher at university that I could never be a designer because I couldn't draw, um, which... So far, I've managed to prove him wrong a little bit. Um, and it's, it's not actually about being a great drawer. It's just how you communicate your ideas. And you can do that in whatever way. You know, we've just five or six ways you can do it. So I think that's a really important thing to remember. Or, or um, I think they call them now like mood boards. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's all about mood boards, which were electronic. But in my day, were just, you know, things cut out stuck on a bit of paper yeah. but they you know another way of communicating you know big mood boards mm. just getting into the director mm. yeah um yeah you know just showing visuals even if you show some images and they hate the images that is as useful as yeah. the language yeah. Um, because it, and sometimes they don't know why sometimes I don't know why yeah. but if they hate an image then that rules out a whole massive section of stuff so mm. even if you don't get all the images right it's um it's like being a detective a detective it's sort of you know mm. finding a way yeah because a lot of directors don't really know what they want but they have a an image in their head or they have a, a thought and you're sort of sometimes supposed to just run with that thought and um and it, exactly you've got to sort of um uh you've got to work out what they what they like and what they don't like because sometimes they don't even know themselves really yeah and and me too <laughs> idea and then they they're a bit ummy and ari about it like an initial response that you've had to it um and then you go around the you know you kind of do a lot of other stuff and other other scenarios and then you kind of i mean not all the time but a lot of the time you come back to your first you know what you your, your first kind of reaction to whatever it is Mm. Um, you know, which I think is a good thing that you know something that your first reaction to it sort of stuck, really. Mm. Um, your first response, I suppose. The, the early, I mean, not always, but those kind of instinctive first first thoughts about a piece or a libretto mm. or whatever. Um, I don't. I think whatever you've had, that, that always comes through in the end. It's it's not very often that part of that. It's not there at the end on stage. Definitely. This is the first studio I've ever had. That's so cool. This is like, yeah. And so I've had it two years. Yeah. I've always been like a desk in my room and I've had to like move stuff over onto my bed yeah. to go to sleep. Yeah. Do you, so. do you find like, is it it's such a difference having an actual space 
to like yes. yeah just like yeah. compartmentalize and stuff is that like yeah yeah I mean I come in here a lot but um it's good that you can hide it mm. is that is that a big thing do you find because it's a creative process that your mind can constantly be worrying about things do you find that you have to kind of turn off from it or is that something that you enjoy about it that it's so immersive weirdly I can't read scripts in my studio because there's there's too much fun stuff around <laughs> rather be like oh I want to do this I want to do that so I always read scripts for the first time in a coffee shop and then after I've read it once I can read it read it anywhere I don't again it's like the weird off-white paper apparently that's another thing <laughs> I tend to read the I tend to read scripts on the trains. Nice, yeah. And that's quite a good, you know. Mm. I can seem to concentrate on the trains bizarrely. Mm. Or in the sheds. I mean I do it in I you know. It hasn't got to be a moving thing. Yeah. But I I I I don't get too distracted. All I've got in here is the radio that's a bit of a distraction. So it is quite, you know, it's a place to focus down, apart from the agricultural vehicles going past. <laughs> Everything falls off the shelves. Yeah, I, I yeah, I sort of uh, learnt to read a script anywhere. I, I, yeah, I think, um, yeah, because uh, when I first started, I was working a lot in Cardiff, and so I would be getting like a mega bus up to, um, up to Cardiff, so or across to Cardiff, um, and. Uh, yeah, mega mega boss actually is is quite nice to read a read a script on. <laughs> it's fascinating to hear you all speak about um, design in a way that I hadn't heard it spoken about before. In terms of like putting so much focus on that communicating of ideas and the fact that the process seems to revolve. Correct me if I'm wrong, but seems to have quite like a heavy focus on ensuring that the things that you do facilitate like communication between you and like the director or other members of the team and that it's much less about having an idea and trying to pull your idea through to completion well i think i mean hopefully most projects have an idea and you want to promote that i mean sometimes it gets along the way um but really when with the set it's you are just working with the director i mean that's what i like about costume design as well is that you actually, you know, you're working with the actors. You, you, you know, that's much closer. You know, I quite like that input that you're working together on that. Um, so, you know, it's this, it's the same with that. You don't kind of impose evolves, um, and you come to that conclusion together. Um, so, I think to, to I, you know, I've never gone to a, a, a project and said this is the set. Uh, take it or leave it you know it kind of evolves I mean that's the, that's the process I think yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean there are some directors like I said earlier that uh, um, let you kind of go you know go with your own instincts more which is fine but if that you know if that works at the end where you know where they sort of say what the hell's that you know <laughs> yeah have you ever had that happen a couple of times well, not so much the whole design but just things like you know i thought there was going to be you know another platform there oh, or, yeah, you yeah. know go to a you know you go to a um, a final run through of something and 
this has happened where there's people been coming on like downstage left like every other entrance and you kind of go you know do they do they, re do they remember that we cut the downstage left in <laughs> it's so true it's so true that moment in a run through where you're just like oh my did you look at the model box did you look at the technical drawing yeah you're walking through a wall yeah. right now that's yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, now I insist, I think, well, I think everybody does it, that in the rehearsal room there are pictures of the model and a ground plan, you know, so there's just, a, you know, whoever's in the room on the stage management side, that they're completely au fait with every entrance and, you know, mm. what's going to be coming in next, so. Yeah. And that's what, you know, like I said before, it's a team, it's a team sport, so everybody needs to be up to speed on what the design is, you know. Through Proved it and had their input, so nobody's got any surprises when we get. Mm. Mm. Oh, there's always there's always a moment. Though, there's always there? a problem. <laughs> <laughs> there's always one. <laughs> oh, it's red, is it? It's going to be red. <laughs> it's always going to be red. <laughs> that type of red. <laughs> yeah, it's the same as the drawing on the wall over there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Prompt Corner. Uh, next week we're talking to assistant directors, which should be really exciting. So do tune in. Um, if you don't already subscribe to our YouTube channel, make sure you do that. Um, and like and follow all of our social media channels. Um, hopefully, see you next week. <laughs>